Champaign, Illinois native Emily Harrington coming to you from Kitchen Table Studios in the ever-evolving, sometimes boring, flatlands of Champaign-Urbana for the next podcast episode of Hyperlocals, where townies and transplants share their tales of tears and triumphs, losses and wins, so stay tuned to catch the characters behind the beloved Twin Cities of CU. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the next episode of the Hyper Locals podcast. I think I have made my next guest nervous because I was relaying the previous recording guest where after I went to upload the podcast with her, there was no recording to be found. So I am paranoid and will forever be nervous moving forward that my content is not actually getting recorded. Just for the record, I am looking at the dials. Everything is dialed in. Everything is where it should be. Hello, Dan. How are you? I am wonderful, Emily. Thank you. This is Daniel Hudson of Urbana. Yeah. Or you could just say Dan Hudson. Dan Hudson, most <laughs> commonly known as. Yeah. One of the friendliest guys I have met. We've known each other now in two specific seasons of our life. Okay. You dated um, a dear friend of mine in high school, mm-hmm. Jackie Hughes, now Jackie Martini. No, no, no. Michelle Smith. I thought you dated Jackie. No, 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 no. Um, Michelle Smith and I dated. Jackie and Michelle were best friends. And I actually was there, uh, I'll say the first date that John and Jackie had. I I was there. I was present for that. John showed up with seven roses because they had been dating officially for seven days at that point. Oh, Lord. Well, that boded well for their future. It did. It was wonderful. Okay, then who did Jackie date? Because she dated someone close to you then friends like mm. was there double dating no no um i met jackie through michelle and then yeah john came into the picture shortly after um after michelle and i started dating i my memory's fuzzy but i I'm, i believe jackie may have dated somebody from urbana that i that i went to school with okay but i think that was like a, a short-lived thing so now i've had two of michelle smith's previous boyfriends uh-huh yeah I had uh, some healing in my life, so to speak, uh, because I got to hear him on here. Okay. And there was some tension between him and I. And I don't even know if he knows this, but I was really upset because uh, some things that went down uh, towards the end of me and Michelle's relationship. Really? Yeah. And I was just, you know, just high school heartbreak. And, you know, it's just one of those things. But I had a lot of uh, angst and animosity towards certain people, and uh, I got to hear him on your podcast. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, I got to hear his humanity and hear, hear his story. And sure. I had a, a release, a, wow. a, a forgiveness in my own heart, and, and uh, just put 
uh, a bookend on that point. Not that I was like carrying it through my yeah, life yeah. and like I, I had a list of people that I was going to, you know, nothing like that. But Did Michelle break your heart? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh it my was, God. It was that side of things. Yeah. Was this um, post high school? So this was college years? Boy, no, no, no. This was high school. Um, oh. This was senior year. We dated for a year. Um, yeah, she broke my heart and then, uh, but we, we talked for a little bit after that and we just decided that it was, it was both time for us to move on. Are you a different person now than you were then? Hugely. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm still loud and obnoxious and, and very You're friendly. You're not and, obnoxious. Well, I don't know. Maybe that's what's <laughs> Maybe changed. Maybe you get to know me a little bit more. Um. Loud and friendly. Yes. Obnoxious. No. I'd say, yeah, I'm still loud and friendly, but. <laughs> growing up, having experiences, having a wife now and kids have really brushed off some rough edges. Mm. Yeah. In high school, how would you describe yourself? So you were um, one year older than me. You're 41. Mm -hmm. Four kids. Proud of it. Yeah. 41 and and four kids. 40. So you're a year older, born, raised, Urbana High School graduate. Mm -hmm. What was that guy like versus this Dan? Very stereotypical. Um, I was the jock. Going through the halls again, loud, um, boisterous. I was very happy, just loud, obnoxious jock. Party animal. Party animal. Once I actually, I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to partying uh, mm. because I'm a farm boy and uh, getting involved in the sports. So I don't think I had my first drink until junior year. No, 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 no. It was sophomore year because I. Isn't it funny that we consider that late blooming? Yeah, that's funny. That is. But yeah, I I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to the party thing. But once I got in it, boy, it sucked me in. And um, I was kind of that life of the party sort of thing. At least that's how I see myself. But, you know, somebody else might look at me like you're just a jerk. But yeah, whatever. Did that affect your athletic um, career in high school? The partying? I mean, because if you got busted in high school partying. Mm -hmm. Which I did. You got deep doo doo pants. Oh yeah, I did. You okay? Do you mm. want to tell that story? I'm happy to. Okay, let's talk. I'm an about open it. book. I, I'll, I'll bear my sins so that hopefully somebody hears this and you know learns from my yeah. mistakes. But yeah, what okay. Would you like to know the busted. Yeah, so I was actually dating Michelle at the time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was Halloween, and don't ask me the year because it's always our senior year Halloween. So it was right then. Two thousand one. Yeah. yeah. Two thousand. Yeah. Okay. Um, everybody was doing the Halloween thing. It was Halloween night. I was dressed up as a football player. I was dressed up as me, uh, wearing my Jersey. And, um, so there was a, about a, a few months there where I was very stupid. Mm. I was going in to, uh, grocery stores. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. walking out the back door with some alcohol. There was a time or two, and I'm not going to name names, but I had some very close friends. I know that you know. Mm -hmm. uh, They were my getaway car, and I would bust out the back door with a fully loaded cart. Oh, a cart. A cart of alcohol, uh, $300 to $500 worth, and running down the sidewalk pushing this. It was... I laugh about it, but gosh, I'm so embarrassed thinking about it. Do you... Can you tell us a store? Yeah, well, it's Salt and Light now, but it was uh, County Market. So is that Urbana. Anthony Drive? That's uh, Philo Road in Philo Urbana. Road. Okay, yeah. got it. Okay. Salt and Light now. Yeah. So they would be parked at your exit door. Or a block away. 
or a block away. Yeah. And you have to run with the full car. I was running down the sidewalk for everyone to see with alcohol. Just the balls we had. Oh my God. Just brazen. Um, but yeah, I thought I was going to live forever. I could do anything. I'm sure nobody's going to catch me, but, uh, Halloween night I got caught. Mm -hmm. And how'd you get caught? Here's what I remember. I ran out the back door. It ran like a couple blocks away. I stashed the alcohol into a bush. I took off my Halloween costume that I was wearing, which was my jersey. Oh my God. Yeah. Wait, actually I wasn't wearing the jersey in the, while doing the deed, I covered myself up, but then I took that jacket off. And I was walking down the si- sidewalk in my jersey again. But that said Hudson on it? No, it said my number, but it's... Identifiable. It was my jersey. Yeah, it's oh. very identifiable. Now, I don't think we had our names on them. Did you stash the alcohol because you knew someone was after you? Uh, no, I was going to stash it. And then come back. And then come back and get it. I didn't think anybody was after me. I didn't hear... The, the alarm always sounds. Oh it, my God, yeah, Dan. But I didn't think... But that happened every time. I was kind of used to it at that time. I'd done this five or six or seven times up to this point. Was this before cameras? No, I think they did have cameras because they said that they spotted me and they, they knew who I was at that point. How did you get ap- actually apprehended? Like, how did they actually come to yeah. grab you? Yeah, so I stashed the alcohol. I put my jersey back on and I was just walking down a road. I don't remember who it was. And police officer pulled up and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to play it cool. Oh I was a little God. drunk at that point. Okay, okay. You know, I'm just going to play it cool. He's like, hey, Dan. I'm like, who's this? Because I got bright lights on me. And it was Officer Cobb, our school officer. Uh-oh. I grew up with Officer Cobb because he was our D.A.R.E. officer at one oh. point. So he, he knew Apropos. who I was. Yeah, he knew who I was. And finally, I realized who he was. And I was like, oh, Officer Cobb, what's up? He's like, Dan, we know it was you. <laughs> <laughs> and he, he was very gracious. He's like, if you just tell me now that it was you, I'm going to take you home to your parents and we can go down that road. If you try to fight this, I'm going to take you to jail. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking oh, about, no. man. So I chose to be stupid again. And I'm like, nothing. I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I'm I just out for a walk on Halloween. I don't know what you mean. And uh, took me to jail, spent the night, very uncomfortable, very scared. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's so funny. I remember people in the cell with me that night. That you knew? No, I didn't know anybody, but he was like people that have been there before. Yeah. And I've never been there before. Yeah. And here's this scared little white boy. And he, they're like, what'd you do? I'm like, well, here's what I did. He was like, this is your first time? I was like, yeah. Yeah, you're going to be out of here in no time. You're, you're going to get this and this and you're going to be fine. I'm like, okay, well, thanks. I'm still terrified. So Why did you have to stay the night? Did your parents not come get you? Did anyone? Well, uh, they took me in because I had to have a court date the next day. Oh, my gosh. And maybe my parents could have come and got me. I wouldn't have come and got me. Okay. I, uh, I'm asking I, if there's like a lesson they were trying to teach. Oh, absolutely. Um, I finally talked to mom and dad on the phone. Mom, I remember talking to mom on the phone and she was like, "Did you? she was crying. She's like, did you do it? I'm like, no, no, no. Damn. And then finally towards the end, I was like, yeah, it was me. Oh, my God. Oh, you know, that's the truth she needed to hear so that she could take action. So she called our lawyer and oh, got everything damn. in order. I spent the night in jail, talked to a few you know, people, woke up, had a, a virtual uh, court uh-huh. the next day. Here's the a pivotal point in my life, a, a defining moment, uh, something that I'll never, never, never forget was the ride home with mom and dad. Mm-hmm. That uh, morning? That morning. Mm-hmm. So I had thoughts of what was going to go down. 
when mom and dad finally got me. Mm-hmm. But it's a far cry from what actually happened. So mom was, of course, crying. And, you know, her baby was just in jail. And um, some certain realities are coming to their mind that I'm not the, the angel that they thought I was. Yeah. Uh, but You've disappointed your I, parents. Yeah. You can hear it and see it in their yes. eyes. But I thought I was going to get beat. Like, you know, that's kind of how I grew up. I didn't get beat, but, you know, spankings yeah. here and there or, or just yelling at and thrashing every once in a while. And that, I thought that's what's going to happen. But it was very quiet on the way home. And uh, almost worse. Almost. Yeah. Worse. Uh, and I'll tell you, we were halfway home and uh, mom had said some things. It was about the court and, and the proceedings and whatnot. And finally, my dad spoke up. And it was the first time he'd, he'd said anything this whole trip. It, we were halfway home. And he, he, just wanted, he said, Dan, yeah, I'm disappointed. But I just want you to know that there's nothing you could do that would make us love you any less. Mm. And that's when it hit me. I was like, the, it, I felt like the hot coals on my head. I was like, oh, my God, I effed up so bad. Um, and, boy, that was a... A shining moment in my life. I hated going through that, but boy, when my dad said that to me, I was like, I learned what love really looked like. You know, it's not all fairy tales and fuzzy, warm feelings. Sometimes it's it's forgiveness and mercy and yeah. a little bit of grace. And boy, I received a lot of mercy and grace from my mom and dad that day. Um, and really, because of that moment, it really opened my eyes to kind of how my my faith walk opened up in later in, in sure. life. So. Uh, yeah, thanks, Dad. So maybe a little seed was planted right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is a good lesson in maybe the best thing to say as a parent. Mm-hmm. Nothing could have been better. Better. Mm. You know? I think I'll take that with me. Absolutely. Don't you with your own? I will. I'll never forget that moment. Yeah. Um, because that's unconditional love. At the time that I needed it. Yeah. Jeez. That is a really good, really good lesson. Yeah. So why were you in your group of friends the one who did the dirty work? Because I wanted to be popular. I wanted everybody to look at me like, man, you're crazy. You are awesome. Oh, my God. I can't believe that. Yeah. I wanted to be the guy that showed up to, at the party with all the alcohol. And where did you get this? Man, I got it at the store. Uh, so that was worth taking the risk. Yeah. That need to be that yeah. guy. Yeah. Okay. And they were all in the getaway. I wanted to be that life of the party. And yeah, could I have done something different other than shoplift alcohol? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And when I asked you, are you the same guy in high school? This Dan that I met in this season of our lives is completely different than that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, In that cell in the jail, is this like a holding room and there's multiple people? Mm Mm-hmm. It's like on TV. Yeah. There's people coming in and out all night, but about five to seven people in there. One toilet, and we all had to use uh, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's like if you had to do your business, you're doing it in front of other people. That is terrible. Yeah, yeah. They finally moved me. They, I think they realized, or maybe a cell opened up, uh-huh. and they were like, "Let's get him in his own cell <laughs> <laughs> for his own safety." For his own safety. I don't know. I was scared. I didn't know these people. There's people talking to me that obviously had been in and out of jail a lot at that point. So, mm. yeah, I was scared. Um, but, yeah, the, it didn't end there. The The humiliation kind of started there. So the ride home, that was one thing. And, and, oh, my God, I was like, I was willing to walk through fire after my dad said that to me. I was like, I was willing to do the right thing. Mm. 
After that, so one of the things I had to do was my court, I can't remember the number, if it was 200 hours or 400 hours of community service, which I did. Um, but also my lawyer said, you need to go around to people you know uh, and get letters of character. <clears throat> and he said, one, two or three would be fine. I got 40. I was like talking to everyone. Um, and one of them being Michelle's dad, oh my. Uh, which was embarrassing at that time in my life like you know i i had to tell my my girlfriend's dad like i just went to jail this isn't who i am but i did do a stupid thing and uh would you be willing to give me a letter of recommendation uh and her parents were divorced so uh -huh. i had to, i did tell her dad and i just tell her mom like two different conversations and they both gave me a letter of character and we still dated a short time after that sure but yeah, they both gave me a letter of character and a bunch of other parents of my friends. Oh. Again, I just had to tell them, like, this isn't who I am, but I did do something stupid, and uh, I'm willing to pay for that. And because of that, a lot of people kind of backed me. So do you still have these letters? Ooh, I'm sure we do. I had a party in high school. And I remember. My dad got arrested. Yeah. And we had to do the exact same. I, I, think I bet I was we had actually, the same attorney. I think I was actually on my way to the party. Oh, wow. But then we heard and we're like, okay, we got to go somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky for you. You didn't need to get any more trouble dancing. No. I'm glad you stayed away that night. Yeah. Okay. So did the athletic department at mm -hmm. your school find out? Yeah. And then what happens to your football? So it was already after football season, but uh, there was a banquet and they said, that we still hadn't had. They called me and they said, because of this, you're not going to be able to w walk uh, across the stage with your teammates and we're, mm. not giving you, we're not giving you a letter and all this. And that was heart-wrenching. I went to the banquet. They said, you can go to the banquet, but you just can't participate. That was heart-wrenching. I mean, it was our senior year. I was a senior and all these guys that I'd grown up playing football with were on stage and celebrating together and I couldn't be there, but I was there clapping and... It was so hard. Again, they were on stage. A lot of them were crying. They were some were looking at me. I was oh, looking at them. Man. It was it was a terrible uh, feeling. But I just felt like it was the right thing to do. Yeah, uh, your even, penance. Yeah, it was. I, I was again. I was willing to do what was right mm -hmm. uh, because of the grace and and the love that I was shown after I did this stupid thing. I was like, sure. I was willing to do anything. I was okay with it. Um, they said, you're, you're just going to sit there. I'm like, okay, let's do it. Oh. Um, but I said, you know what? I'm also going to go one step further. I know that if uh, I had done this prior to football, I would have missed out on a portion of my season. So here's what I want to do is I'm going to go out for track and I'm going to compete in track and field and I'm going to take my punishment mm. in track and field and I'm not going to be able to compete for, I, I can't remember if it was like a quarter or half of the season. I can't remember what it was. Uh, but then I'm, and then after that's done, I'll compete hmm. because I want to, I want to leave here with a clear conscience and a clear slate that I did do an improved reputation. Yeah. Did this change your personality at school? Personality. Did you calm that obnoxious, loud guy going through the halls after this? Nope. <laughs> okay. Pretty much just learn. Don't steal. Oh, okay. <laughs> that's okay. a terrible thing to do. You can still be that, that loud, lovable guy. Uh, but just don't do stupid stuff. Okay. There's a, a limit to it. Had you already been accepted to DePage at this time? 
No, at that point, it wasn't accepted. I had the dream I was going to play U of I football. Okay. Uh, but that dream was quickly squashed because they're like, you're tiny. I'm like, here I am. I think I'm one of the biggest, best guys in the area. They're like, no, no, no. When you get to this level, um, they would break you. They, they would kill you. I was 180 pounds soaking wet. Okay. And I was uh, a, I was a center. Okay. Oh, I was my on, husband was a center. Yeah. And, um, I haven't met your husband. He's bigger than you okay yeah. see, see linemen are big guys yeah, yeah, yeah. okay upwards of 300 pounds well he's not that big <laughs> well at the level of you sure, buy football sure, sure. they're big boys so um and I, you're built like a quarterback is that fair I, yeah you're tall and skinny i'm tall and skinny um i could have been a good tight end had i learned that route but when we first started playing football in peewee I was the bigger guy, so I was on the line. And I thought that's just where I'd be for the rest of my life. So I was okay. a center I was on, on defense. I was at a defensive end, which was my personal favorite. I loved being defensive end. That was a good position for me. Okay, you're the loud, obnoxious, this is what your, your words, not mine, mm -hmm. and you like to be the center of attention. Mm -hmm. How does it feel to be the guy who never gets the touchdown? Mm. I think about this with my husband, and now my son is center in hmm. peewee football and my son is starting to make the realization that i'm not going to be the guy who does the dance yeah you know that's a funny question i never thought about it. it never bothered me really no i i, I love being part of a team i got fulfillment knowing that my actions help the team mm. uh yeah that's a great question um no, that never bothered me. Okay, interesting. I, I loved it when my buddy made the touchdown and running up to him and oh, this yeah, and that. I love that. Um, so where I did get my kicks, I guess, is on, on the defensive side. Okay. If I made a tackle, I sure. loved hearing my name yes. getting announced. Okay. You know? so, so you got a little... I did. Okay, you Absolutely. got it. Absolutely. Okay. okay, so then so you go to U of I and you talk to them... And they turned you away. Yeah. So every year I went to the U of I football camp and it's just yeah. a camp. Anybody can come. It costs some money. You stay in the dorms. You're there for three to five days. And yeah, the, the U of I football coaches are coaching you and taking you through camp. And I got to meet, you know, Ron Turner was the coach at the time. And O'Shea Lewis was the, the defensive coordinator. And I got to know him and he got to know me. I, for whatever reason, I was blessed with this gift of volunteering. Like, hey, yeah. who's first in line? I'll be first in line. Yeah. Like, not just football, but with a lot of things. Sure. Um, so anytime we were going to do a drill, like, who's up? And I'm like, bam, I'm in there first. So yeah. coach got to know me that way. Yes. Like, I was always there first. And, and I wasn't the best. I wasn't the fastest. But I was always there and I was always willing. Uh, so he got to know me and I was like, coach, you know, this was my last year there. I was like, coach, I'm going to play for you. He's oh, like, Dan. he was a great guy. He's like, Hudson, uh, here's what you should do. Go to college DuPage because we keep our eye on college DuPage. Get bigger. Mm. <laughs> and he said it in a very complimentary way. Um, and, I, and then that, that's how I took it. I was like, okay, pivot, boom, go, go to college DuPage. We're going to play football. And that was Where is it, that? It's in DuPage County. It's in Lyle, Illinois. Okay. Uh, so it's a suburb of Chicago. Okay. And so it's, it's like Parkland. But it's huge. Okay. Very huge. Uh, 40,000 plus people go there. Okay. Which is bigger than the U of I. Is it difficult to get into? No. It's a community college. Okay. It's a two-year school. Okay. No, you just you just show up and pay your dues and they'll, they'll educate you. And your parents are on board. Yeah. Um, I, my dream was to play football at U of I and someday professional. That's all I could think about. And my mom and dad were like, what if? 
that doesn't work out. I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm playing football. Uh, but yeah. So I went there. I did get bigger. Again, some stupid decisions. I, I got on steroids. Shut yeah. up. I went from 180 pounds in high school to 250 pounds. No freaking way. Yeah, I was huge. I loved it. It was it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, like I, I was strong. I was I was getting fast. I was getting recognized by colleges. I was I got recognized by Illinois State University to come play with them. But I ended up getting hurt, and so that didn't work out. But, okay, hold beep jacket. Yeah, sure. Steroids. Uh-huh. Is this an injectable? Yep. And you take a syringe mm-hmm. and you stick it in your butt? Uh, that was one of the locations. Uh, there's other steroids you have to do in other places, like right into your bicep, right into your chest, right into your thigh. Yeah, I was doing it. Is this legal or nope. illegal? Very illegal. It was New Year's Eve one year. Uh, me and my roommate, we drove to Mexico just across the border because he knew of a place just across the border. You could just buy it in a pharmacy there and then bring it back. We had to strap it to our legs. Are you kidding me? No, no, no. I, I learned things the hard way. Okay, I learned the hard way. Don't steal. That's, that's not good for your okay. future. But yeah, steroids are illegal. Went across the border, got a bunch of steroids tape them to my leg because I, because my, my friend was like the uh, border control. They, they can't touch you. They can't pat you down. So keep it on your leg. And then once we got across the border, they had us get out. They asked us questions. They couldn't touch us, but we got back in the car, drove on, took it off of our legs. And I had enough steroids to last me like maybe five years. How are you paying for it? Um, I had a job. I was a, I was a bouncer at a bar, uh, in Naperville, bar Louie. I would make money for expenses, but like every paycheck, I was like socking as much as I could into this envelope for my Mexico trip. Yeah. So I, Are I you went down about with expiration dates. No, I was just learning the steroid like game game at the time. I didn't know anything about expiration dates, um, lethality if like aspiration of the needle. Like I was learning so much. Like the first guy that told me how to do it. He's like, just stick it in and go. And I'm like, how much do I put in? He's like, don't worry about it. Which was terrible because I had a nasty uh, side effect from it. Like I put it in for like a week after my first injection. My left butt (sighs) cheek was like swollen to twice the size. I couldn't walk. I'd put way too much in. Yeah. Dan. Oh my God. I know. know. Um, Are your parents like, how did you get so big? Uh, yeah, I had questions from certain people, mainly, I, I'll never forget uh, one guy, he was never my coach, but I knew him, Joe Yeager, he's a, he was a baseball coach here in town, um, very loved and respected in the community, and um, I came home for, for whatever vacation, or, and I went to the local gym, and he walked in, he's like, you're on juice. I'm like, no, man, no, no, I've just been working hard. He's like, no, Drew, I I know what juice looks like. (laughs) And he called me out. He's, he was like the only one that really called me out on it. Um, but everybody looked down upon or was it like accepted in that world? It is the world. It is that world. You, you, uh, it's everywhere. Everyone was doing it at every level, no matter how good or bad you are. Anybody listening to this, like you might say, I never did it. Uh, I'll just tell you my perspective. The people I knew, everybody was doing it. Maybe no. 10% of the people weren't doing it, but they weren't moving on. Okay. Again, my perspective, my experience, mm-hmm. that's what I saw. D1, D2, T3, uh, junior college, everybody was doing it. And, and for sure, for sure in the pros. 
What about adverse side effects? Yeah. Um, you hear about the mood swings? Yeah, no, it never really did that to me. I think it's kind of like alcohol. It's going to uh, make your personality just a little louder. Like if you're a nasty person, alcohol is going to make you a more nasty person. Yeah. It, it's kind of like that. If you're a happy person, alcohol is going to make you a happy person. Um, uh, steroids is the same thing. I, I never got like... Okay anger swings or anything yeah. and i was dating i was dating my wife at the time we were just dating and she didn't know i, oh. I kept this a secret from her for a long time so she met you mm -hmm. when you were the 250 pound yeah dude yeah did you tell her did you tell your parents that you had done this were on this no not for a long time until i got off actually okay um and again, that comes kind of back to my faith story is why I got off. And then after that is when everybody found out. So now you're playing football at DuPage. Mm -hmm. You're at your prime, mm -hmm. 250. Mm -hmm. Having fun, just being big and strong, like walking into a room. Every, I want to see inst a picture. Instant respect. I loved it. It was awesome. Okay. And does the story go south? Hmm. Not really. Not because of steroids. Okay. No. Um, no, I got big and I got strong and I was able to be effective wow, dude. in football at that level. Um, because of the steroids, I shouldn't say because of, but you know, it helped. Okay. Um, I, I was starting to move on. I was going to go to ISU, okay. uh, but I did get hurt right before there. The stingers that I developed in high school, got much worse. Okay. What is a stinger? Okay. So it's for me, it was a pinched nerve in my shoulder. Okay. Uh, it might've been in my spine, but it was really, if it, it affected my right shoulder and you get a stinger, it's a funny bone feeling mm. in your neck and in your shoulder. Yeah. Tingly, tingly, hot, hot pins. Yeah. Just, and needles. Oh, just, yeah, that it is that funny bone feeling, but right through the upwards of your neck and down your shoulder and into your arm because of football yeah it was because of football i got hit the right way or the wrong way uh, one time and I, i'll never forget the the first time i got it it wasn't that bad but i'm like ooh, a funny bone in my neck that's weird, weird. yeah um and then every once in a while it would happen again in college i was in at, at college DuPage. I was dealing with much larger, much stronger people, um, and uh, that made it worse. I, I, yeah, made it worse. By in my second year, I got hit just right, and my entire arm went absolutely numb. Couldn't feel it. Couldn't move it. Mm. Like if I touched it, wouldn't be able to feel it. I couldn't during that game. Like it was off. Yeah. Did you have to get pulled out of the game? Yeah, I was done for the rest of the game. That went on for. 45 minutes to an hour. I couldn't feel it for an entire hour. I couldn't, it was just a dead piece of meat hanging off. Were you my freaking body. out? I was, I was like, I don't know what's going on. So that happened. Uh, so that was during a game that finally feeling oh, came back. I was God. able to move it. Uh, I, I went to the weight room. I was kind of normal. Then it happened once or twice again in practice. Okay. And I'm like, man, something's going on. Shoot. So, so made an appointment, went to the doctor, got an MRI. They said, yeah, you, you have a pinched nerve. Here's what this is going to look like. If you continue, it's only getting worse. There's the chance you could be paralyzed from your neck down. I'm like, okay, I'm done. Um, mm -mm. I'm, I'm done. For really? Football, I'm done. Had you been accepted to the ISU team at that point? No. I heard through the grapevine. They, they liked me. Um, I had done the paperwork and I was already transferring to Illinois State. And then right after I got hurt, my doctor said, you're going to be paralyzed. You keep Shit. going. In the back of my mind, I'm like, 
steroids can't fix this. I'm okay. Um, so anyway, that ended football for me. How'd that feel? Yeah, that sucked for a little bit, but I don't know what kept me going through that. It stunk. Your whole future goal and plan. Yeah. Blew up. Yep. Um, I should back up for a little bit and I'm, I'm terrible with timeline. Okay. Like, <laughs> well, it's blurry at it, that point. Yeah, yeah. But I met my girlfriend, future wife at that point, Rachel, Rachel. Um, I remember being in my, uh, apartment room mm-hmm. up in Chicago and, uh, I just had a conversation with my mom and my mom was telling me like, you are spending way too much money. We cannot afford you because mm. I was eating a ton. Um, that's really it. It was my food budget. It was just <laughs> massive. Um, probably, I don't even know. A lot of protein powder, a lot, a lot of, of protein. Pro- yep. <laughs> food, food, food. I remember having this conversation. I, I was dating another girl uh, up in Wisconsin, and almost every weekend I would go up to Wisconsin. So there's gas money. Um, and it finally came to a head. So I was, I was spending a lot of money that was not in the budget. Sure. Uh, and mom finally called me crying. She's like, I can't afford you. You got to figure something out because this, this can't go on. And mm. I remember getting off the phone and I, I said a prayer mm. and I, I was like, Lord, I'm, I don't want to live like this the rest of my life. I want to be a man. I want to support myself and, and get myself through life. I don't want to have to beg mom and dad for money and have them call me like that. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for a change. Mm. And it was within a month that I met Rachel. Mm-hmm. We didn't Your now date, wife. We didn't date at first, but I'd met her. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I met a gentleman that uh, got me involved with a mark, uh, a business opportunity, um, and my life just changed within a month. Like I was going one way, you know, my my dreams were going one way, and then I I remember saying a prayer, and then my life just started to really quickly go in another direction. A prayer from a guy who wasn't exactly religious and faithful, just dabbled. Yeah. I, I mean, I grew up Lutheran, uh-huh. went to church every Sunday. Oh, okay. I, I mean, I knew, I know God existed, but I didn't really know yeah. God personally. You only prayed when you needed something. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. thought God was a genie and you just rub the lamp and he would take care of you when you wanted it. But, but I remember saying a heartfelt, sincere prayer that that I really wanted to change for the better. Sure. Uh, at that point. Yeah. Okay. So you, for lack of a better term, drop out of school. Mm-hmm. Is yeah. that? So, um, I got involved with a, a business opportunity, a multi-level business. <clears throat> and, uh, it was awesome. Like, again, I, I, I lost one dream with football and I latched onto another dream. And, uh, it was a great business opportunity, made a little bit of money. Mm. And, but I thought that was going to be my future now. And here I am going to school, doing this business thing on the side. I'm like, all of a sudden I had this epiphany. I'm like, what do I need school for if I can make money this way? What's school for other than to teach you how to go out in the world and make money? Yes. But I have a business. I can make money that way. I don't need school anymore. Okay. If you were talking to your son and your son came to you and said, dad, I got this business opportunity. I'm going to drop out of college. Yeah. What would you say? Yeah. I, I would say, no, do it. You would? Absolutely. So you have no regrets? None. Really? None. Didn't work out the way I thought it would. Sure. But I have no regrets with it. Because it really did change your life. It did change my life. for the. I learned a lot about me. Yeah. I learned a lot about people. 
I learned that I, I don't need a college degree to make a lot of money and have a successful, beautiful life. Sure. Um, yeah, I walked away with that. But multi-level marketing. Yeah. The place, the corporation is called Amway. Yeah. Is Amway still around? Oh, yeah. Okay, now, to someone who's never heard of Amway, mm-hmm. describe it in layman's terms to the best you can. Okay. It's kind of hard to explain. Right, no, so it's a multi-level marketing opportunity. So here, here's what Which else. is like Pampered Chef yep. or Stella and Dot or mm-hmm. uh, Lulu LaRoe, those, um, yeah. the leggings that were Mary so popular. Mary Kay. Yeah, Mary Kay. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's multi-level marketing. So uh, they don't have stores. They do business through direct people. Okay. So... Um, you are a direct distributor or an independent business owner with Amway. And then you got to go out and do business, whether you're selling it to a customer or you find somebody else to also be an independent business owner with you okay. and, and, and make business go through that person. So a lot of people would hear this and say, oh, it's a pyramid. Mm-hmm. Well, pyramids are illegal and there are illegal pyramids. Amway is not illegal. It, it is legitimate in how they do business. Um, I no longer do business with Amway. Walked away from it for a few years ago, but it was a wonderful opportunity and a wonderful eye-opening experience for me. They are a great business and a great business opportunity, uh, but you have to recruit mm. people and you have to sell product. That's how you, you make money is uh, not recruiting people, but you have to move product mm. through people. Okay. So whether you're selling it directly to a customer or opening another avenue of business to be done through another person who wants to do what you do. Yeah. And Amway provided you with people mm-hmm. who were extremely faithful. Yeah. And that completely changed you. And mm-hmm. then your parents and your now wife are like, Dan, what is going on? Are you okay? Are you in a cult? Yeah, yeah. I got fired. I went to my first weekend conference. <laughs> okay. Uh, and it's three days of just being in this room and hearing from people, and you get really excited. Yes, um, I can just picture this. Oh, yeah. It's it's it w- it's awesome. I would absolutely do it again. I mean, it's <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, it's nothing different than Tony Robbins getting together and for a week-long conference. That's what it's designed to do is to get you excited about your opportunity or get you excited about life. And here it is, the end of this weekend, and uh, they say, okay, it's it's Sunday. Uh, we're going to have a, a Christian non-denominational worship service at the beginning of the day. We're going to break, and then we're going to come back and do business for the rest of the day, and we're going to leave. Okay. And so... I had a, a come to Jesus moment. They had many leaders in the business there on stage. They gave their testimony, not so much about business, but about their relationship with their Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm, I, I was so tired. I remember waking up and the room was kind of rustling. Like, Weird. like pe- People were moving. And I'm like, I, I kind of woke up. I'm like, what is going on? And the guy next to me, I remember he was a, he was a Spanish guy uh, from Chicago. He's like, if you go forward down there, they'll pray for you. I'm like, well, that's not a bad thing. Uh, I grew up with with God. You yeah. Know, uh, and so I was like, oh, they, I'll just go down there and they'll they'll pray for me? What? Well, that's not a bad thing. Go, let's do that. Sure. So I got up and walked down. Again, I'm I'm... I'm a big guy at this point. I'm 250 pounds. Are I'm, you still on steroids? No, I was. It was because of that weekend I actually got off of it. Okay. So yes, I was still on steroids. I was playing football, and anyway, uh, just got done playing football. Okay. And I was like, "Wow, cruel. Yeah, I'll, I'll pray. Sure, yeah, I've done that before. 
I'll go down there. So I went down in front of stage and I remember here, uh, getting down there and people are gathering around me. I'm like, I'm a, this is fine. Uh, the band that was on stage pl- started playing amazing grace. Oh, it's great. Classic. 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 Yeah, yeah. I've heard the song before, but here I am. I, I, I willingly in my own volition walked down to be prayed for. And then I never heard these words before, but in the song, when it says save a wretch uh-huh. like me, uh-huh. I remember saying those words and being like, I lost it. I lost it. I was a glob of putty on the floor. Oh I was crying. I had liquid coming out of every hole in my head. Ugh. Just just a sobbing mess. Because for whatever reason in that moment, I, I believe it was the Holy Spirit working, I realized I was a wretch hmm. and I needed saving. Mm. Uh, and I needed a God. Mm-hmm. So it worked out great. Did you have to then go to your mom and dad and Rachel, mm-hmm. tell them what happened and get them on board? Yeah, I, I did the worst thing you could possibly do right after that happened. I called them and I was like, oh, I am so excited. God. I just found Jesus. This is amazing. My mom lost it. You're in a cult. Get out of there right now. Oh, my God. My girlfriend, Rachel, she's like, I'm freaking out. This uh-huh. is weird. And I'm like, uh, it'll be okay. I'll just wait till, wait till I get home. I'll explain everything. Dan. I was fired up. I was fired up. Um, because again, you had just again. been gone at a weekend conference. Now you found Jesus. Yeah. And you have to go tell your I family. I went to a business conference and I yeah. found Jesus. So if you're listening, please don't get the two. <laughs> you know, there is Amway, the business opportunity, uh-huh. but that is that has people in it. Yes. And the founders of Amway were Christians and it just filters down. It's very weird to explain. It is not a cult. Mm-hmm. You know, a cult is, is something where the leader says, no, it's not God. It's me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Drink the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. These people were saying, no, it's not us. It's, it's Jesus. It's God. It, they pointed me to the Lord, yes. not away from him. And then they said, Hey, that's great. We're, we're happy you're saved. You know, how did you get saved? Well, I was like, well, I kind of went through this avenue of a business opportunity. They were like, well, maybe this might be your ministry. I was like, huh, okay. So that's what I did for about 12 years. So Rachel, did she accept this way of life? Not like- at first. No, she was freaked out. Yeah. Yeah. I, all of a sudden I'm reading my Bible. I'm wanting to oh hang out with guys God. who were Christian and, 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 you know, getting together for a quote unquote small group. So, yeah. Sure. So for the for the person listening, yes, like, yeah, I was I was starting to hang out with a different crowd, yes, and it was freaking people out, yes, and I got so fired up after after this first conference, and and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, here's what I'm doing, and it came to a point with Rachel where she's like, I don't know if I can I can do this, yeah, this uh, isn't the person I started dating, right? This is different, yeah, right. I was fired up for the Lord, but I was also fired up for the Amway opportunity and, yeah. and doing that. And um, I come back from my first conference, fired up about Jesus, fired up about this Amway opportunity. And Rachel's like, I don't know if I can do this. I was like, fine. If you can't, I'm sorry. I'm going this way. Wow. And, uh, you know, I, ho- I hope we stay friends, but I'm, I'm doing this. Wow. And uh, she stopped me before I got to the door. She's like, Dan, wait. Whoa. Maybe I'm not seeing the full picture. Sure. I was like, you won't see the full picture until you start hanging out with the people I'm hanging out with. Maybe going to a weekend conference and just kind of going through the the steps that I've been through. You won't understand until you do. You won't see how big this thing really is. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
kudos to her. She stopped me. In a way, she was kind of testing me to see if I was for real. Yeah. Was this just going to be another thing? Sure, or sure. Or was I for real about this business and walking with the Lord? Because all these things kind of came to a head. The getting off steroids from this weekend. Yeah. Did you literally just throw it in the trash? What happened to your body? It shrunk. That is crazy. Yeah. Um, I, I didn't throw it in the trash. I, I was still with my uh, roommate who w- we went down to Mexico with. I was like, hey, man, I found the Lord. I don't need steroids anymore. And he was kind of mad at me. He's like, what? I was like, here, you just take this stuff. Everything I have, just take it. It's yours. So I didn't throw it away, but I, I gave it to him. And your body mm-hmm. literally shrunk down. Yeah, it wasn't instant. But yeah, over the year, uh, it actually got went further. Like I said, 180 pounds soaking wet in high school, got up to 250 and probably shrunk down to 165 pounds. I was a skeleton at one point. Did that make you feel sad? No. Seeing your body? I didn't even think about it until somebody pointed it out. Dan. I I was fired up for this business opportunity. And I know with, with any business opportunity, uh, whether it's a traditional business, a multi-level marketing, a franchise uh, store, anywhere, you will make sacrifices. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are. There's going to be sacrifices. And I was willingly walking through these sacrifices. Part of that was is I couldn't always eat when I wanted to. Okay. Uh, I was homeless for a second. Uh, for about two weeks. I couldn't pay my rent. Um, it was at the end of my lease anyway. I'm like, okay. So I lived in my car for two or three weeks. When was this? Where was this? Uh, I was still in Chicago. Okay. Um, dating Rachel? Dating Rachel. I had already gone to Illinois State and come back. Okay. I, I went to Illinois State, dropped out, came back to Chicago, started okay. working so that I could work, be close to my business team. So I was back in Chicago, again, dating Rachel. I had met my business team. Um, I had made the choice to get off steroids while I was at College DuPage. I had transferred to Illinois State. I was studying um, exercise science, mm-hmm. kinesiology, how your body moves and whatnot. Sure. I thought I wanted to be an exercise coach, strength and conditioning coach for okay. a college somewhere. Um, I was good at teaching it. And so I thought it, um, I, that's what I wanted to do. But uh, I had this business opportunity that was, that was blossoming and developing. Uh, and so I made the choice at some point to just give up school. And I was at Illinois State at the time. It was less than a semester I was there. And this is where you start to live in your car for a few weeks. Yeah. Because you're in this weird limbo. I finally told my mom and dad, uh, I'm done with school. I'm going to go back to Chicago and do this business opportunity. That pissed them off royally. Uh, Because, again, they... they, Put all their money in. Yeah, all that money into me and my education up to that Uh, point. And I'm throwing it away. They thought that, you know. Yes. That's what it looked like to them. Sure. And uh, they, they tried to get people to call me. I had a, an aunt that was my favorite aunt. And they were like, they, they had a bunch of people try to call me and calm me down. And I'm like, thanks for calling me. I'm fired up. I'm going. So we moved back to Chicago. Didn't have an apartment. Leave that out of my car for three or four weeks. Like, uh, Dan, you literally lived in your car. Yeah. But again, it didn't even phase me. I, I knew that I was going to get an apartment some at some point. Like... Um, Where'd you shower? So the, I was dating Rachel, so I did kind of couch surf a little couch bit. Couch surfed a little bit, showered there. Uh, uh, my old roommate, 
uh, we were friends. We were amicable. Like the steroid, I, the dude. steroid guy. I, I'd crash at his place a couple nights. I slept in my car a couple nights. I ate the protein bars that we got from our business and uh, didn't have hardly any money. Mm-hmm. I just started a job. And so I'm waiting for that per- first paycheck. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that first paycheck, I pretty much bought food. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, <laughs> there's a joke between Rachel and I, like, why are our kids eating that? And like, I ate worse when I was in that phase. Like, right. I remember a time like all I had was like two pieces of toast and peanut butter and a hot dog in my refrigerator. Oh so my I made God. a, I made a peanut butter hot dog sandwich, Gross. which yeah, it sounds nasty, but it was like, it was the best food I'd ever eaten at that <laughs> point in my life. I was like, this is amazing. It's all I got. <laughs> but again, it didn't phase me. I was yeah. like, I was willing to go through the, the, those little sacrifices to me. I wasn't scared. People were scared looking at me. Yeah. Again, I'd, I'd lost all that weight. I got down to 165 pounds as a walking skeleton. I came home one day and my dad was like, whoa, you're freaking me out. Like, let's go get something to eat. I'm like, great. Let's get something to eat. He's like, you are terribly skinny. I'm like, wow. I didn't even really think about it. Did you tell him at that point that you had been on yeah. Yeah. By that point, they knew I'd been on steroids. Okay. My mom found my stash of needles in my truck one time and she's like, what is this? I was like, it's for a friend. He's Damn. diabetic. <laughs> um, but then there was one time she did find my stash of juice and she's like, I thought you said it was for a friend. I am so upset. Da, 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 this and that. Who are you? And I'm like, actually, mom, uh, that is mine, but I'm no longer using it anymore. I'm getting rid of it. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm, my timelines are fuzzy with me. Sure. So, but uh, did she take your word? Yeah, she took my word. I got rid of it. Yeah. That, that's a true story. Got rid of it that week. And uh, yeah. How do we phase out of Amway mm-hmm. and into what you do today, which is completely different than an LMM? Yeah. Uh, ML, MLM. MLM. <laughs> uh, I loved Amway. It was a phenomenal business. Great products. Great people. I loved it. Um, over time, I, yeah, I burned myself out. It is a business of recruiting. It is a business of sales. Um, sales would be hard. Yeah. 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 But for whatever reason, and. Had I, run its course. I wasn't good at it. Really? I wasn't that good at it. I loved it, but I wasn't that good at it. I was never going to be like the upper echelons. I, at first I thought I would be, but then as time went on and I just, I lost that dream. Wow. Of becoming an upper echelon. You had gone as far as you believed you could go yeah. in that company. Mm-hmm. And in the background this entire time, your father and your mom live on a sixth generation Mm -hmm. working farm. Mm -hmm. Is that right? He's the fifth generation. I'm the sixth. Yeah. Okay. And that is always going on in the heart of Urbana. Mm -hmm. So you always have that at its core, but you come back home and kind of change Mm -hmm. the direction. Yeah. I was always working, but after Amway ended, I just looked at my career more seriously. Um, what I was working, I was working in hospitality up in Chicago. I'd worked my way up from just, you know, the, the new guy all the way up to a regional manager running eight markets across the country, uh, doing well, uh, climbing that ladder, uh, a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm like the guy on the football team. Yeah. Pick me, I'll do it. Whatever you need. I got it. Yeah. I'm first with anything. I'm, I'm never the smartest, the brightest or the fastest, but I was always willing mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm always I'll outwork anybody. Mm. That's where I shine. Yes. That's my skill. Yes. Um, it's just that 
I'm willing. And yeah. so uh, I climbed that corporate ladder, did well. Uh, we bought our first house. Oh, by the way, back up to the Amway opportunity. My wife got sold out too. Like she came and she was like, wow, this is a great up. She got just as fired up as I did. And we ran together for a, a long time. Wow. Um, she was the first one to kind of lose interest over time. And then, and then I followed suit. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, fast forward working up in Chicago, uh, hospitality, corporate relocations. So if you owned a McDonald's uh-huh. and McDonald's hired 200 more managers and they needed them to come to Chicago to train, McDonald's would call my company and say, we need 200 fully furnished apartments for, uh, uh. for three or four months for these people. And instead of a hotel room, my company would go to a very nice apartment community uh, with amenities and a pool, luxury amenities. And we would take out one year leases and then turn around and give you or your staff one, two, three month leases. Wow. Fully fur- and we would fully furnish it, uh, for all the amenities, the silverware, the linens, everything you would need. Cool. And then uh, that person would come for two, three months while they're transitioning and finding a, a home. And then once that person moved out, we would just put another person in that, that apartment. That's really neat. Yeah. And I worked myself up to pretty high level in that. And so why'd you come back home? Um, Are you married now? I'm married. We we're married for, oh gosh, I don't know. What is that now? It'd be 10 years at that point. Uh, so in 20, what, what year is it now? It's it, 2024. 2013. My okay. sister got married Okay. and she was like, Hey, uh, it's Joe's idea. It's, it's her fiance's idea to, to get married at, at the farm. I'm like, Oh my gosh. That's a, why, why would you want to do that? <laughs> Uh, just being honest, I, I didn't think that was greatest idea. Your family farm, where yeah, you grew up. Where I grew up. She's like, yeah, we want to get married in the barn. And I'm like, it's a storage pit. Like, it, Well, she's like, yeah, Dan, we'd have to get it cleaned out. But wouldn't it be cool? I'm like, whatever. So I bought into it. Like, One of us, we, my sister lived in Chicago. I lived in Chicago. I would come home and help clean the barn out. She would come home another weekend and clean the barn out. And... Uh, the day came and we had a beautiful wedding, a phenomenal event. It rocked people. It rocked my world. Wow. It was so fun. And all we had at the time was our old dairy barn. Uh-huh. And then we set up a tent for a reception. Is your dad producing a product on his farm? Corn, soybeans. Okay. Yeah. So he's a legit he's working. A okay. Yeah. And it was funny. That's the joke. Like dad said, there's certain months of the year you will not get married. Uh, and one of them is September. And my sister's like, you're cute, dad, but it's going to be September. <laughs> oh my God. So needless to say, he took a day off. Which is harvest. Which is harvest okay. season. Yeah. He took a day off. Nobody. Yeah. Everyone nobody was survived. Hurt. Everybody survived. Right. There was other farmers there. It was a great time. Right. 275 people, wonderful day, beautiful weather. I mean, it rocked my world. Mm. It was a wonderful, not just a wedding, but it was a wonderful event. Mm. I was a party animal. We had, I had people out at my house all the time during bonfires in high school. I loved to do that. I Mm. loved to party and I loved to share my place with people. And we were doing that at a different level. And so we were not thinking of a business. Yeah. So... Leah had her wedding day. Everybody went home. Yeah. My mom called me. She's like, 
My phone is ringing off the hook. People are showing up at our door, knocking on our door, asking to get married here. I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? She's like, well, because they heard from so-and-so, from so-and-so, from so-and-so on Facebook that we hosted the, uh, Leah's wedding and they want to get married here. I'm like, what do you say to them? I was like, ask them how much they give us. And so the next few conversations, mom was like, they're going to give us so many Aww. thousand dollars. And again, all we, it was very primitive. It was sure, just sure. the farm. It was just our barn. And we were doing tents at the time. We had our shed yeah. that you've been in, uh-huh. but it was a dirt floor sh- tractor yeah. machine shed. That's you said it. The farm was purchased, the land in 1870. 1870. So yeah. we're dealing with a lot of age, a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's a primitive setup. And but the a star is born. A star is born. It came out where we again we weren't thinking about this happening. Mom just called me up like, "Whoa!" People were just they they literally pulling out on off the street, knocking wow. on our door because we're not advertising our phone number. Yeah. What a, we heard you do weddings. Oh, uh, what what do you charge? And I finally told mom, I was like, just ask him how much. We don't know how. Wow. What, what would you give us? To host your wedding day. Oh, we'd give you $2,000. I don't know what. I, sure, I sure. think it started there. We'd give you $2,000. I'm like, great. Let's have a wedding. Here's what we're going to do for you. Here's what we're not going to do for you. Yeah. Have a great day. We opened up the barn. They rented their own tent, their own caterer. At that time, they rented a, a caterer to do the bar, uh, their DJ. And we just gave them a place to have a, a wedding. And what year was that? Uh, 2013. So my sister got married in 2013. It, she was the first one. Uh, somebody heard through the grapevine and we had a, a, another wedding booked, I think two months after that. Okay. But then like, that's kind of what we thought was going to happen. And then people just kept coming and coming. <laughs> one wedding would share on Facebook that they had this experience and then more people would come. Oh my God. And now 11 years later, mm-hmm. what are things, how has it evolved? It's evolved. Every year since we've done something to improve. So eventually we got tired of, this was probably two years in and we were tired of tents on our property. It was tearing up the yard. Uh, sure. we, we weren't guaranteed that the yard was going to look nice for the next wedding yeah. that was coming. At that point we're like, weddings are happening. Um, and so I, I turned to mom one day and I'm like, what if we turned our metal machine shed into a metal tent, so to speak. It's yes. always there. Maybe you have to clean up in the, the floor afterwards, but we don't have to like worry about the floor and all that. So we invested in that. We'd saved our money yeah. from those first weddings. And, and now you've moved back to Champaign. No, you, oh yet. my gosh. I'm, I'm still working. I'm still doing the job up, up north. Uh, so for about three or four years... I would come home every weekend and help with the wedding because they weren't as uh, uniform as they are now. I mean, yes. it, was, it was sporadic. Sure. Um, and so every wedding, I would come home, help with the wedding, get it set up, do the wedding, get it cleaned out, and I would come back home. And then I would go to work Jeez, Monday damn. through Friday. Um, and then it really started to pick up. We were in our, I think it was our finally our, our fifth year, uh, and we had done 28 weddings. Mm. The previous year and this year. And my mom called me. She was crying. She's like, I can't keep up. And by the way, me and my mom and my dad, we have a great relationship now. With all the turmoil that I they put them through. They sound pretty great <laughs> They are wonderful. They're, they're loving, gracious, and, and, and supportive. Sure. So, yes, I messed up quite a bit. They love me, and they've, they've supported me through things. And so we have a great relationship. I now work for them. Yeah. Um, it's great. So, anyway, fast forward. 
she calls me one day, she's crying. She's like, I can't keep up. I'm working full time at super value. Oh my God, these brides and, and, and what they need. I can't do it. At that point, when she called me, my company was just bought by another company. Okay. And we went through that honeymoon year. Everything was great. I got promoted. I got better salary. My people that worked for me got better salary. But right at that phone call, the one-year honeymoon ended mm. after that purchase. And uh, ownership's personalities changed overnight. And um, expectations all of a sudden weren't what they wanted. Sure. And uh, life became very hard. I am not a depressed person. Yeah. Not your nature. Not my nature, but I got pretty depressed over, wow. over, over the turmoil that I was put through after that. So when she finally made this call to me, I'm like, what if I ran it? What if I ran the business side of things and just completely took that off your plate, mom? Mm. Oh, that'd be a great idea. Let me figure this out. And so about two weeks later, we had a phone call. She's like, I, I can make this work. Wow. I can make this work. Yeah. If you just ran it, I don't have to think about it. And, and not to think about sure. it. I mean, she still does things for the business, but uh, she owns it. Yeah. I run it and I manage it for her. Um, God. And it was shortly after that, I, I gave my two-week notice and uh, they said, okay. And you moved your family. Nope. No. No, for two years. Oh my gosh, Dan. For two years. Almost every weekend, I traveled home. Uh, I, I traveled down to Urbana on Thursday, got everything set up for the wedding, got through the wedding. And then uh, on Sunday, I would get everything cleaned up and I would come home Sunday night mm. and I would be home for three days and then I would come back. So three days home, four days down in Urbana. And we did that for two years. Do you have babies? We had two babies at that point. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So yeah. that sounds tough. Exhausting couple years. For her. Oh, if yeah. Okay. I was living the dream again. I was, you I was, I was sold out building this wedding business, having fun. I enjoyed the ride on, on the road. I got to get in my podcast. Um, I loved working the business and then I would come home, but it wasn't the same story for Rachel. Uh, she was home by herself for, uh, four days with two babies, essentially. Yeah. Uh, you know, I can't remember how the ages at that point, but you know, Ellie was a toddler. Imogene uh, was a baby Jeez, at that damn. point. Uh, she she voiced many times she felt like a single parent, but it was nice. So when I was home for those three days, I was home. Um, I was still doing emails and whatnot. Sure. But I was home. And like any marriage, yeah. things are tested. Uh -huh. uh, and and you, you got to pivot and adjust. And I, we had, I'm still learning to do that. Mm. So, yeah. What's the decision to finally... Put your roots down in champagne. It was happening almost every weekend. Um, I can't remember how many weddings we had done. So we were, I think, in our second year of doing 35 weddings in a row. And that was great. That was awesome. We thought that was pinnacle. Uh, creme de la creme. It was during the warm season because we're an outdoor venue. Yeah. Warm season is prime time. Sure. So uh, every weekend was filled with something. And uh, Rachel and I spoke, and I'm like, this is only getting better. Yeah. It's here to stay. Yeah. Um, I'm reading the trends. Farm weddings, country weddings aren't going away. Um, if anything, other trends are sprouting up. But there's always those couples that want to be on the farm yeah. or out in the country for their day. And we're here, we're here for them. Rachel and I, if we finally saw that it, this, is, this is not going anywhere. It's not going away. It's getting better. Let's move the family back home. Does Rachel work at Hudson Farms? 
yes and no. So she's basically a stay-at-home mom. Okay. That is that is her occupation. Sure. That's where she wants to be. That's where I want her to be. Uh, but yeah, she does some a little bit of marketing for us. She unpaid? Actually, is she an unpaid? No, we pay her when she does <laughs> when she does those things. We do pay her for it. Um, she also still works for a company in Chicago that she used to work for oh when, when she was up there. Uh, she's a photographer for them. Oh, that's and, neat. And marketing. So she's on retainer. And then once or twice a month, she'll drive up there, take some photos of a, a recent home that, that they just uh, redid, remodeled. Sure. And then come home, edit those. So she's gone for a day. Yeah. You know, once or twice a month. Tell me about another facet, your next step. Mm. The last time I talked to you, I think. So I don't know how much growth has um, come in the past months, but the distillery portion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that. So six years ago, I was, uh, no, seven years ago now, I was hosting a wedding. I was standing at the bar with our bartender, who's an older guy. He, uh, Randy uh, Bolin markets are grain for the farm and um early on he was out visiting the farm and he said uh we're having a grain meeting with him (laughs) and he flippantly said like how's that wedding thing going to my mom and he's like wow yeah mom's like wow it's picking up you know it's it's hard to keep up and he's like well if you ever need any help i ran a bar in in college i managed a bar happy to help Really? Okay. Two weeks later, he was our full-time bartender. Oh my gosh. Every wedding, he was our bartender. We got our liquor license going. He was our bartender. He managed everything, the inventory, the staffing, everything. So anyway, I'm at a wedding, hosting a wedding, standing there with Randy, and he's telling me this cool story about his sister and her husband. They were hired to build and run a distillery mm. up in Wisconsin for the first five years, built it and ran it for the first five years. And I was like, that is a cool story. What a neat lifestyle and environment to work in. And he stops. If you ever get to know Randy, he's got this, this demeanor about him. It's wonderful demeanor. He stops kind of in the middle of the story. He's like, huh, wouldn't it be cool if you had Hudson farm vodka on our back bar? I love gin and tonic. I love vodka tonics, vodka limes. And I was like, yeah, that would be cool. What does that mean? How do I do that? All these questions started going through my head. Sure. And and at first I was like, do I just buy a vodka and then put my name on it? And immediately I was like, that's a terrible story. I don't want to have to tell that. Oh, this is your vodka? No, I actually buy it and put my Sure. No, I didn't want to have to tell that story. I would love to be able to tell the story of we grow it. We process it, we distill it, we bottle it, and here it is. Right. I wanted to tell that story. Within two weeks, I was like, wow, that's what I'd want to do, is tell that story. Sure. So I started reading, YouTubing, podcasting, traveling around, meeting distillers and meeting owners of distilleries, asking questions. It is the coolest bunch of people you've ever met. They were very welcoming. Most people were just an open book. Mm. Here's what I know. Blah. Just just right. vomit their knowledge onto me. It was wonderful. Every once in a while, you run into somebody, they, they don't want to tell you their re- secret recipe sure, or their sure. secret yeast, uh, which is fine. Yeah. Great. I respect that. Thank you. I, I, that's a barrier I will not cross with you. Right. Uh, what else can you share with me? And they would just tell me everything they knew. And then wonderful. you purchased. Mm-hmm. A large Willy Wonka looking metal <laughs> contraption. Yeah. 
that sits in the metal shed, as you say. It's in our reception shed right now, but, but currently it's basically a paperweight. That's really all it's used for right now until I get my permitting done. It is our still. It, what you're talking okay, about is our still. It's it's about half copper, half stainless steel. Beautiful. It's a hundred gallon. And to you, it's big, but in the in the in the industry, oh, it's a tiny, tiny, really? tiny. Yeah, it's teeny. And how much did that cost? Can you tell me? Yeah. So. Um, it's all handmade. It's all handmade. Um, we struck while the iron was hot prior to COVID. Um, and we saw that material prices were rising. I was like, mom, we should, we're going to do this distillery, but we should just buy the still right now mm. and get that most expensive piece taken care of before prices get out of hand. Um, so we bought it uh, relatively inexpensively uh by a friend of mine out on the east coast put it together for me extremely good welding extremely good plumbing uh the electrical is is top notch um but yeah we got it for a fraction of the cost if you were to purchase that from a distillery equipment uh my 100 gallon still would be at least fifty thousand dollars we got it for less than 10 and how'd you get it to champagne drove it really went and got it drove it out in one piece so my still uh, next time you come out i'll show it to you yeah. you could actually it's like an erector set you can take every piece apart wow. and you emily could put it back yeah, together all right no really it, it's i it's can't a piece, put it sits on another does. piece and you you kind of screw it together that's it's really simple the idea being you put the products that you grow on the farm mm -hmm. into the still mm -hmm. And vodka is created in the simplest way. With my still, how I configured it, I can I can make a vodka. I can also make a whiskey. Cool. I can also make a fruit brandy. Yes. And you're talking, you're hung up on permitting. Yep. Because you have to have special permits. Mm -hmm. Anyone listening to this, I, I've heard, I've had so many conversations. They, they're like, oh, but you can distill for your own purposes. No, you can't. Really? If that's if, moonshine. I mean, that's like, moonshine. That wow. is that is illegal. If the feds catch you distilling alcohol without a permit, uh, there's up to ten years in jail. So, like twenty thousand dollars fines, you will go to jail. It is a federal offense to distill without a permit. That would be your Even second at your time home, in jail. That would have been my <laughs> second time in jail. I so we don't want to do that. I actually did go to jail a second time, but it was <laughs> it was a terrible reason. I'm still pissed off for this day. It was in college. We were drinking in my own apartment. You know, apartment security guard uh -huh. came up, knocked on our door because we were loud. And I was like, I'm sorry. We'll quiet down. He left. Cops came. Oh. Took me to jail because I was drinking in my own apartment. Yes, I was underage, but sure. we weren't hurting any, but I'm still kind of mad to this day. Like, so if you got caught, it would be your third time in jail. That would have been my third time, yeah. <laughs> Okay, how far are we away from Hudson Farms alcohol? Less than a year. Wow. Yeah. The permitting process and the things you got to get into place to distill alcohol is pretty tremendous. Like we want to wow. distill it on our farm, but there is a law saying, well, you can't be so many feet away from a, a, a residential home. Well, the ideal location I would love to put my distillery is right at 100 feet from my home. So the feds got to come out and look. and Wow. And... The permitting process is pretty simple, but everything you got to get in place sure. for the feds, that's what takes forever. Are you going to sell? Yeah. Sell and serve. Yeah. So I have to get a federal license first. 
Once I get that, I come to Illinois State and say, hey, I've got my federal. I I now have to get a Illinois State, which is another process. And then once I've got that, I come to Champaign County and say, okay, I need the permit. I've got all my permits and they kind of give me a permission slip saying I can I can distill here in Champaign County. Um, but you kind of have to have all these ducks in a row. Sure. Because if I start my federal, but then the county has a law that changes something about the sprinkler systems or, or where the location of my still is, mm. uh, I got to go back to the federal and say, well, I got to change this. And then I got to change it at the Illinois State. There's no other industry where it's that much regulation. Interesting. You could yeah. grow pot easier. Yeah. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. It's it's insane. And all these laws that are in the distilling world are left over from prohibition. There's been zero reform. It's just yeah. now starting to reform law by law, but it's not happening fast enough. For you, for Dan. For, for, for me or any of <laughs> sure. my friends that are distill, my, my friend distillers out there, they're like, this is taking further. Like, it is tremendous. Like, if I wanted to sell a bottle of whiskey to you, mm-hmm. couldn't do that. Wow. I'd have to sell to a distributor and you would have to go to the store. Oh, interesting. Or I would sell to a distributor. Distributor would sell to a local store, yeah, retailer. Sure. And then you would have to walk in and get wow. it that way. Now, there's laws that are finally starting to change. To allow this direct to consumer, but it is it. There's it's a, a long way it's to a go. Federal level, then yeah. State level. Every state is different. Um, yeah, there's a long way to go. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Man, thank you. Me too. So the permit that I'm getting at the Illinois state level is bottom of the barrel. It's the smallest permit you can get. I'm only allowed to distill up to five thousand gallons a year. Okay. Which is fine with me at this point. Sure. That's as that's as much as I want to do, um, and I can only sell it right there at the farm. Okay. Okay. So I'm thankful we have a wedding business in place where 20,000 people a year come through the farm and the the distillery will be exposed that way. Sure. Uh, But if I didn't have the wedding business, I would absolutely do a different permit so that I could sell to a distributor. So if anybody wants, in the distilling world, we call it juice. (laughs) (laughs) The irony, Yeah, the irony, it comes back. Uh, So if anybody wants my juice, they would have to come to the farm to get it. Okay, got it. Uh, And that's kind of what I want. I want to share my farm with people. I'd love to do that. I want to share it with the weddings, with the distillery. Hey, this is my my spirit. The grain is right there. Let's go walk through the field. It came from right there. Yeah. Uh, That's the story I want to tell. I am so fired up about it. And I think a lot of people would really eat that up and buy buy into it. 100%. Mm-hmm. How can people find you? Ooh. We've been talking for one hour and 20 minutes. Really? <laughs> feels like 15. I told you. I know. Okay. How can people find you, find the farm, etc.? Uh, the only way right now, uh, our website, HudsonFarmWeddings.com, weddings with an S. Our Facebook, uh, at Hudson Farm Weddings. Our Instagram, at Hudson Farm Weddings. My email is info at hudsonfarmweddings.com. Uh, and I'm going to, I'll refrain from putting my, my cell phone out there. Cause I don't answer it anyway. <laughs> like if my, if I don't know your number, it's going to voicemail, Yes, fair enough. but contact me through those avenues and I'll definitely get back to you. I pride myself on being pretty responsive. Dan, thank you so much for your time and your story. You. I learned yeah. a lot. Thank you. I love this podcast. I love hearing and learning about our community through the stories that you're able to, to tell. Thank you. Uh, I've had some friends on the podcast and I've, I feel like I've made some friends through this yes. podcast, so I'm, I'm very grateful. Thank, Thank you. Thank you so much, Dan. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. 
However your podcast host of choice allows, please positively rate, review, comment, and give all the stars. Don't forget to follow, subscribe, share, and ring that notification bell so you know when the next episode drops. Also, search and follow HyperLocalCU on all social media. If I forgot anything or you need me, visit my website at HyperLocalCU.com. Bye!